Hey guys, and welcome back to the Two Cents Podcast. This is Yossi Benchushan. I'm here with my brother Ari Benchushan. And we are on episode four, continuing our second season with the Happily Ever After episode. This is by a long shot one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded to date. We're going to discuss the concept of happiness, the idea of Happily Ever After. Is there such a thing? Should we even want such a thing? Uh, what people mean when they say happily ever after, what kind of goal is a happily ever after. We really, really, really get deep into this one, and I just really, really love this episode. Today's podcast is being sponsored by the ZCK Foundation, and as always, our good friends over at Yad Lachem, who you're going to hear about later on in this episode, discussing how people actually can get their fairy tale happily ever after ending to their life, or at least an ending to an extreme amount of suffering. Stay tuned to listen to that. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. This is Ari Ben-Shushan. And this is Yassi Ben-Shushan. And this is the Two Cents Podcast. Brought to you and powered by Meaningful Minute. Here okay. we go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Tap wow. You want, to, you want to know the amazing part of film? Um, yeah. What do you call it? I mean... What what people don't realize, you know, one of the hard parts about this, Ari, is that like we have to stay in the same shape. We're not allowed to lose weight, even though no. <laughs> even truth. though there was it, like two months in between filming just now. Yeah. We we keep on going the with the same, same shape. Thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But the same yeah. thing the whole time. I look the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is why, by the way, I just took a haircut. Took a haircut. I gave myself right. a haircut. I'm gonna tell the world this, Yassi. I'm gonna tell the world this. And I know we I have to get this stuff with me. Yeah. But I have not gone to a barber, I think, in 15 years or something. That's not an exaggeration. Number one, there, there's not much to deal with here. I was about to say, do you think people are questioning that? Yeah, no, no, it, it, it's not much to deal with. But, but it's not so much that I've saved about $19,000 at this point um, in haircutting, but it goes further, yes. It's much deeper. To me, going to get a haircut was a whole day event. You have to first go to the place. You have to wait there for... An unseemingly amount of time just to get your hair cut. Sometimes, do you remember in Pino how long sometimes oh, yeah. you would wait wow, with Pino. those sticky magazines? And it's just like somebody shot JFK, like, like, <laughs> like a People's Magazine from 1960. And you're yeah. sitting the whole time. And then finally, finally, it's like, and the whole thing, people come and like, oh, am I next? Like, right. how are you how, next? How are you next? Nine people how are you next? Sitting here. And There's then the, the, the uncomfortable because there's always a guy who has the other chair. There's the main barber, right. and then there's the guy. Who and he's just, just looking at you. And he's like, next, anybody wants haircut? You're all here for haircut. And everybody just wants the good guy. Not this guy who just got off the boat. He used to drive a taxi in Russia. And, and like nobody wants to break into him. <laughs> it's like the other guy's name is on the door. What did you think would happen? It's called... Pino, I mean, it's called his haircut place. And no, right. by following some, like, some brave girl, nobody's going to go. We're like, we'd love to see what happens when you go. And then it's amazing <laughs> that people take for granted. And really, this could segue into our, uh, into our topic for today, um, yeah. which is that, you know, Ari, how much does a haircut cost? You know what? Nowadays, I wouldn't know. I have no idea. I have no, I idea. Have no idea how much. I have I, no clue. A haircut cook. I could like at some point be like stranded or whatever, and for some reason I need a haircut. I'm. They could say fifty dollars, and I'll have no idea if that yep. is it or not. I don't know. I have no idea. So the beauties of being bold. I have no idea how or why that just happened, but let's 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 roll with it. 
Our topic for today, happily ever after. Uh, So happily ever after. So yes, over here, we're going to discuss this idea that a lot of times, and this really was born, B-O-R-N-E, B-O-U-R-N-E, in London, they use a U. I think they use a U. Yeah, no, I think they have that. I don't think that's accurate at all. No? Okay. Um, So this was born out of a conversation. Um, I was, I was in, I was someplace. I can only be in one or two places. I, I, I was, I was, guess I was in Lakewood. Please um, God, I was about to say, please God, don't say he was at a barber. No, right. In a barber shop. That would really, that would really tank the whole thing. We'd have to start this episode from the beginning if I was in a barber shop. Um, but no, I wasn't. And somebody came up to me and he said to me, I have an idea for a podcast you guys to talk about now. This is now a message to the world. Please don't come up to us, your eye and start to tell us about different ideas. Um, because they come a lot. They are all great ideas. Huh. So we're, we're going to have an episode where we take all your ideas. All the ideas. And just we one episode. One episode. We're going to call it the junk drawer episode, right? We just pull it out and there's just random stuff inside the drawer. It's like, are those fishing hooks inside that drawer also yeah, next to the, the basement stapler tape. and yeah. next to that half uh, shaved down pencil? Like all those things. And the infinite amount of wires all messed off yeah, with each yeah. other. So 300 pens, not one of them work. Yeah. That's uh, how it's supposed to be. Um, the person came up to me, said to me, could you make an episode about the fact that when rabbis speak, they say that there's always a happily ever after, meaning they say how at the end of their story, it seems like, and they went off and they lived, they won the lottery. He got his job. They got married. He had children. He's like, you know, there is no happily ever after there's real life. Right. And a lot of times we end up getting kind of um, almost downplayed or almost feeling as if things aren't what they seem to be right. because I don't get to live the story of the guy who missed the Titanic. Meaning we think the guy who missed the Titanic, right? The very famous story, let's just say it. The guy right. was um, going on uh, the way and his, and his wagon broke down and then the horse died and then you know, all these different, there was mud and then there was a really long red light. <laughs> it just didn't. And you know, he kept on going, he's running, I finally runs up and that is the, the whole thing left. Oh, I missed the boat. Turns out he missed the Titanic. And that was it. Like, it sounds like his life is good for forever. Right. But it's not. That guy still had to pay taxes that year. You know, that he may have gotten tuberculosis just right afterwards. You know, stuff may have happened. I think it also goes. Yeah. So, so, so his idea was, is that, could you please talk about an idea that part of the concept is that Hashem doesn't put into the world the happily ever after because the struggle is the happily. Meaning, yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that, that his point was is that if we can't find a happy in the struggles, then there's no happy. If we can't find the fact that itself, taking the responsibility for life and taking the struggle itself for the reality of this is what it is. The, the Nesiv uh the past few weeks now, uh, when we're taping this, we're in Parshish Lech He talks, he brings from a few different beautiful svarim that tell us that the Yehudi, he says that Chaye Yehudi, that is a, it's Tsaruf. He uses the Lashon that it's just connected one after the other of Nisyonot. 
that it's going to be a life where it's a chain effect of one nisayon, one test after another test after another test. And that sure, we get to have times where we get to relax a little bit. We get to finally move. You know, yes, I just moved. Baruch Hashem, here right. we are. We're in everybody watching us now. Yeah, it's a different background. I was going through a year and some change of trying to find a place to move. And I'm telling you, it was one of the biggest nesianists in my life of Hashem, how come, and exactly how things are going. And not even questioning Hashem, but just like, when's it going to finally find its calm? Like, like when's it going to mm-hmm. finally find its place? And the answer is, is that Baruch Hashem, we did hit a certain calm. Up until right now, it started raining now in Los Angeles. Right now, it's raining. It's shocking. And... Um, all the pipes, the gutters of this house, they were never cleaned out. I signed a contract that said, um, I'm responsible for the gutters. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. You'll see. Everyone, right, everyone in the whole California should be thanking you for the fact that it's raining right now. Right now. Hashem was just like, oh, you never know, yeah, let's just open up the marble. And so now like the whole thing is backing up. And, you know, if I had a moose head hanging on the wall right now, it would be crying from be all the water. Tearing, yeah. Backing okay. up from all the different things over here. <laughs> You know, like the water thing in my ice maker in the fridge doesn't work, but all of a sudden now it's just working. Water's coming out of every... And so, no, there's going to be another test. There's going to be another test and another test. It's just it's just going to keep on going. And so I wanted to dedicate an episode to the fact that it's not happily ever after because there is no after. There just is ever. There just is. Right. Right. So I... um, All right. So a few points. A few points here. And I, I love the topic. I, I really, really do because I think it it touches on so many uh, uh, different things. Number one, on what you were saying earlier about uh, the stories, I, I specifically, I by the way, in general have have uh, started laying off or you know throwing into reverse the whole you know story part of my speeches. I I'd really, unless it comes to me in the moment, I don't. Which is why, like, it's always vague. Like my stories are always so vague in my speeches nowadays because. I, I, I did not prepare it at all. It just came to me then, so I did it. I don't. I stopped liking putting stories in, contrary <laughs> to our whole episode on the last season. I, I stopped liking putting too many stories in. I love using stories. I'm, I'm not saying not, but I don't like because when you you when you have a great story in a speech, I mean a killer killer story. I feel like when I do, Pesach Kron pulls it off, right? Rabbi Pesach Kron will pull it off. A few people could pull it off. I can't. When I have too good of a story, the speech tends to revolve around it, and then and then it becomes a point. It, it becomes too big of a point. My my problem with that is is that, for instance, all the Elion and Navi stories, all the way, people take this too far, so they sit and they wait. They wait for their big epiphany moment. A lot of times when you have people who grew up, you know, the guy was in uh, Hollywood or he was uh, the greatest uh, uh, NFL agent's secretary in history and whatever it is, and he became from, but through this big thing that happened, so everyone says they're waiting. They wait for their big thing to happen. Oh, yeah, if that happens to me, then of course I'll also, and, and I'll also go around speaking about it. And, right? But, but the, that's not real life. That's not how real life works. And, and, and yes, and, I just want to bring a point. Just a little bit. People think stories happen to us like that all the time. We're just like, we've said this a few times, paying attention. And people right. are sitting back not paying attention. And, and you need to understand from that, this is going to be the next point, the whole point about missing the Titanic, right? So I'll have the modern day story of that, of the missing the planes for the 9-11 or the, 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 now these stories are so dangerous to begin with. But aside from that, right, realize after that speech, I'm going to the airport and if I'm running later, they're not letting me through the gate. I'm blowing a fit. 
I'm sweating. I'm I'm all anxiety ridden. I'm like, Hashem, how could you do this to me? I just gave the speech, and I'm still doing that. Also, the, it's not the be all end all. These are things that we work on to get to the other side of, and solely to your level, to your place. So that's that's point number one. Point number one is that I, I think a lot of times these ideas of ha- happily ever after are, could be so much more harmful than than anything else. Um, that's number one. Number two. Number two is that. There's no such thing. It's not that there's no happily ever after. I don't agree with that. I think there's no ever after. There's no happily ever after. There's no sadly ever after. There's no painfully ever after. There's no anxiety ever after. There's no stress ever after. There's no pain. There's no hurt ever after. There's nothing ever after. Whatever state you're in, in any given moment, it's never ever after. You still need to do something unless you're dead. That's ever after. That's literally ever after. That's the only ever after we have. Aside from that, there's just no such thing. So if you're in a great place and you're doing it right, Altam and Atzmacha, the Mishnah says, right? If you're doing amazing and you're doing incredible, don't sit there being like, I guess I, I, I battled that demon, now I'm done. I get so many emails, I'm sure you also, so many questions from people saying that I thought I, I, thought I passed this, I thought I fought it, and it's over. That, that's, not, that's not how life works. That's not how it works. We're waiting to get to the end of something that, that there's no end to. That's not how it works. So there's no happily ever after, but there's also no sadly ever after. There's no, there's no, there's no anything ever after. So if you're happy, be grateful in that moment. Appreciate that moment. Don't hope for it forever after. Hope for it for where you are right there. Because people tend to ruin good moments thinking about ever after. Right? You'll have a whole family sitting together at a beautiful get-together, and they'll be like, I can't believe we're, I can't believe we're all leaving on Sunday. Like, why? Why are you doing? Like, just appreciate it for right now. Just now, I just made a, a backyard confession about this. Just now, one of my students said to me, it was abnormally beautiful in Cleveland last week. And he said to me, he's like, Rebbe, he's like, it's so beautiful outside. Can we go out? I'm like, guys, don't get so excited. You know, believe me, the snow's coming. Winter is on its way. And I thought to myself, I'm like, why did I just do that? Like, everyone's, everyone's so happy right now with this. Why do I need to destroy that? So, be grateful and happy in that moment. Don't force it to go to the next one. And don't be the doomsday sayer. So if you're in a bad moment, sit in that bad moment and know that there's no badly ever after. This is going to change soon. It's going to change. It's going to get better and it's going to be different. That's, that's Mitzad, you know, um, um, all, all those, uh, you know, all those concepts, all those. But I think what, what the real uh, uh, culprit over here is and why it's so bad to have the happily ever afters is because uh, it's something I just alluded to, but I, I, it's just worth it to mention again, in the moment, the being in the moment, happily ever after is that like, oh, I'm finally done with this now. I can find life is not something we try to get done with. It's something that we try to do in the moment. I, I, I also changed my background, my scenery over here, because there is no way that with my schedule, I get to be in one place at four o'clock every whatever time we do this, right? It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible for me, right? You just have to be in that moment, though. You got to be in that moment and be in, you know, right? 10 minutes ago, I was superbly stressed about something right before we started filming. And, but you got to be in that moment. Just take that moment as it is and, and realize that happily ever after is the same thing as everything else in the world. You're either happy right now or you're not. Hey, guys. 
I hope you're loving these episodes. I hope you're loving the podcast. Thank you so much for all your feedback. Thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing for us to be able to keep going. If you love these episodes, if you love the podcast, please download the Meaningful Minute app. It has so much bonus material, so many uh, behind the scenes, so much uh, added material, all these uh, all these awesome things that they added to the podcast and the podcast page on the Meaningful Minute app. So go to any app store, your app store, the Play Store, or any of the other store stores that you download an app from. Get the Meaningful Minute app. Hope to see you guys over there. So in that moment is really, I think, where, where we want to go to now. Very good. Very, very well said. Which is that um, the struggle that is constantly uh, in a person's life you know, people say it doesn't have to be a struggle. It is. Meaning certain things are be'etzim a struggle. Certain things um, will be'etzim be difficult. Avram Avinu, the way the Nesiva Shalom puts it is, is that the Pirkei Elvis tells us that if you have three things that you're the Talmud of Avram Avinu, right? right. I and Tova, right? You have a positivity in life. You're happy with what you have. And you are somebody who is Nemucha, right? You're somebody who is humble, right? You have a uh, nefesh Nemucha. And finally, you're disconnected from the physicality. You're not somebody who's attached to those things. And the Siva Shalom asks, he says, how are those the three things of Avram Avinu? It should have said chesed, you know? It should have said if you're uh, or if you pass 10 tests, you know? If you pass 10 tests, you're Avram Avinu. It says those three things which are basically hinted to at best inside the Torah, Anachi, Afer Ve'efer means that he was very humble. Um, yeah, I was about to say, the Pirushim over there on that, on that mission in Avaz, they go through like gymnastics well you know he didn't take the money from the melech of Sedaim. Right. it must be that he's disconnected from physicality right. and right. who would ever do a lech lecha if he wasn't positive about life right. you know like the they're mafarshim and 100 they're correct right, yeah. but it's not exactly the opener of the, the thing obvious, yeah yeah the meaning that if you would say you want to be like superman wear a red cape it's like Right. You're right. Superman does have a red cape, but he flies and he has heat vision. Talk about the things that are more, um, <laughs> are, are more, uh, and Zuck the Hildensi Vashalm is like, no, no, you're missing it. He said that when it comes to a test, incredibly, when it comes to a test, everything that you are given by Hashem naturally basically falls away. Your talents, your good looks, your brains, your money, all these different things by a, a, by a challenge, your confidence, you know, it all falls away because you're not comfortable with the challenge. Right. He said, and all you're left with is what you've earned through Messiris Nefesh. It's what you've oh, wow. earned through yourself becoming big. He said, wow. give a good look. You want to be the Talmud of Avram Avinu? These are the things that he worked on. These are the things that did not come easy. These are the things he had to work to become a Nechi Afar He had to work on becoming. And he says, and those are the things wow. that from those Midot, he was able to pass the 10 tests. From those Midot, that's where his Chesed stemmed from. But the 10 tests and the Chesed, he says, is only a symptom. It's only something that came after the fact that he had built these things. And so therefore, Pirkei wow. is letting us know the Midas, he said, and that's what helps you pass. When it comes to mm. a struggle, Hashem is letting you know what were you kind of on your own? Meaning, if you became somebody who you worked on your patience and you worked on it and you worked on your bitach and you worked on your different things, when these struggles, when these challenges, when these tests come our way, if you worked on it 
all the time, the good times and the bad times and everything else. And it became your moniker. It became something that's of value to you. And by the way, I'm so happy, Yossi, you said that, that you're like, when I get to an airport, I'm still stressing out. Yossi, so am I. But then right. that means that you and I, bitachin, we haven't been meister nefesh enough yet. You know, right. it, it's right. because if Rebbe Vigna Miller was sitting there, I would at least like to think that he would have been a lot more calm. You know, I would at least like to right. think that that he would have been like, Hashem runs the world. And so therefore, you don't think he can make another <laughs> like, plane? Yeah, like you don't think good. he can bring the plane right here? Like, I don't think the plane can get past TSA. I don't think Hashem <laughs> can get past TSA. No. <laughs> no, but but what I mean to say is, is that Gufa, I think tests and struggles are right. an exact um, just pin it's almost a litmus test to let us know what are you comfortable with and what do you right. still have to work on right also yeah no like just where are you still common like have you ever been driving with your kids and like the you go to a hotel with the kids and you show up there and the kids come with you to the front to the to the checkout the check-in counter which is such a rookie mistake leave the kids in the car and they say to you I'm sorry, but your room's not ready for another hour. And your kids are like, oh, we're not getting a room. It's not happening. We're going to go around and go home. The kid at the checkout counter is us when we go to the plane. Right. Meaning in Shemayim, Hashem is like, Ari, <laughs> it's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to work. We tell our kids, right. relax. The room's going to be ready soon. Like, don't worry about it. That's a place that if we earn it, not in the struggle, at the struggle, we will be able to have more of a calm and no longer is it a struggle. Will there be a struggle? Yes, but you've learned to calm your way through it and that's a test because you've earned it on your own. Right. It's, it's also, you know, I, I, I also think part of the, part of the thing is why would someone deny or why would someone, we have to understand that struggling is not an embarrassing thing. It, it, for me to say that I, I would struggle at that airport after I gave the speech about the guy who missed the plane, the exact situation I'm sitting in, the exact one, number one, that's not hypocrisy. Number one, it's not a, a person working on something is not a hypocrite. That, that's not what hypocrisy is. That's number one. Number two, number two, being able to share these things that I do, I, yeah, I, I would struggle with that. I would struggle with missing a plane. I would struggle with the, what do you call There's nothing, there should be, there, it, it, in the world now, there is. People say that, oh, you're being very vulnerable for admitting that. It's not vulnerability. I'm not embarrassed about the fact that I struggle with that. I'm open about it because I want to work on that. And, and I'm fine with that idea. To not have that in, in, incredible amount of boosh of where we're holding in life, but rather be honest about it and say, that's where I'm working. That's where my avoid is. That's where, that's where Simcha starts to come out from. Because then look at your life. What are you really, truly so desperately embarrassed about? And it's that shame, that embarrassment that forces people to not, because then they put all their kaychas in their excuses and justifications, because they have to justify and excuse why they are the way they are. So they put all their koach into there and not into working on themselves. So the shame leads them down that road of staying the same, number one. Number two, fortifying staying the same by having all these uh, by having all these things, but the first step, and, and this is what uh, um, if you remember Avram Avinu, right? Svas uh, uh, says by Lech Lecha says an unbelievable. I, you probably know that. I don't it's know. You, you ever hear something? You know, you ever hear something, and you're like, oh man, I think everyone knows that, but like somehow 
in in the thirty whatever odd years that I've been learning and teaching and what I think I just somehow sidestepped this part and never. But like anyone you'll say it to, be like you didn't know that. So I just learned this. I just learned this one. I don't know how I said stepped it, but that's what happened. The Svasema says on on Avram Avinu that when when Rabbi Shalom said to Avram Avinu Lech Lecha, it was a bas call. It wasn't. It wasn't just Avram Avinu. The whole world heard Lech Lecha, or whoever was listening. Okay, but. Everyone heard lech lecha. Everyone heard. What's pshat? Not everybody was uh, was leaving. So, so uh, the tarot over there is really more based around Avram Avinu. But I want to focus on everyone else for a second. So, what was Av- what was what was uh, uh, the Rebbeinu Shalom saying to everyone else that heard the Baskal? So, Rabbi Berkowitz said an unbelievable thing. He said he was telling them just lech lecha. I don't care where you are. I don't care which one of these applies to you or doesn't apply to you. Just lech lecha. Wherever you are, it's not good enough. Wherever you are, you can't stay stag. Wherever you are, lech lecha, take one step. Take one step further. Take one step into something. Take one step, take one step, take one step. Through all these things, through all these things, our problem is, is that we view it as black and white. I'm either that person or I'm not that person. And what we have to realize is that I don't, what you said about Victor Miller. Now, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to leave that because I'm not saying this about Ravigna Miller. But I remember some guy called me up and he said to me, you know, um, can you take this and this kid into your yeshiva? And he wasn't right for the yeshiva. There's nothing I can do. He was just, it was not, it's a small yeshiva. It's for a very specific guy. He wasn't right. I gave him three other options and I tried helping him get into those other three places. We actually got him into one, but only after I was, and the kid's doing great over there, but only after I had a fight with the guy, he's like, how could you? How could you? What do you go? He's like, you know, I think it's in the beginning before he, so that it was it was Lamaisa probably the right thing to do. But he said, you know, I think if Rabbi Trank was around today, he would say to you, I'm like, listen to me. Listen, I because I'm 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 done with this. Everyone right now is all into all era of Shlomo Freifeld, Rabbi Trank, and all these unbelievable Rebbeim. And they're so right for being so into them that they, they, they were tzaddikim, they were unbelievable. But so Shlomo Freifeld, I wasn't around, right? I was too little. But I was around when Adelphia was around. Okay, my friends all went to Adelphia. No one was singing anyone's praises. Okay, no one, no one was all machshiv what was happening. It's only after and after and after and after, all of a sudden everyone shows up now and they're like, wow, you are a Talmud of Rabbi Jack. That's unbelievable. All of a sudden everyone's all happy now about it. No one is going to be writing your art scroll book about you while you're, while you're still doing your thing. No one's going to be impressed. No one's going to be happy with it. No one's going to settle with it. No one. Not one person around you. No one. It's just the way it works. So we have to stop waiting for this fanfare around it, for this black... But when Rabbi... I read the book, and when Rabbi Trank was doing his thing, he had all these people showing up saying, wow, and we want to do this and that, and we want to... Right? No, it's, that's not how it happened. I'm not saying... I, Rabbi Besser wrote an unbelievable book. Rabbi Surly, I love you. That's nothing to do with this. I'm just saying that, that we tend to hear these stories, and we tend to think that that was the... That was the go-through. That was how sweet and, and kind it was. I was talking to um, Bashevkin, Rabbi Bashevkin, and if you see his book, he has a book called uh, Synagogue, I think it's called, and I was reading an unbelievable book, and he, uh, he has in the back, he, start, he wants to start this trend that when people write their bios, they also throw in one or two things that, <laughs> that didn't work out for them. I have the book, Sender, do you, are you able... 
on that bookshelf over there, you can see a white little a little white book called Synagogue. I have to read to you. <laughs> it's it's right next to it. It should be like maybe on one shelf down on the spine. It says uh, yeah. While Yassi's waiting for the synagogue you know, book, let's talk to you a word from the Avishta. Life is good. <laughs> I created you out of love. Lord would That's love right, there, to have his relationship with you for now and forevermore. No? The bottom? No? All right. It's okay. All right. It's not there. Um, my kids keep moving my books okay it's okay. fine i don't know where it is the point is he has it he has in his thing he has this uh, in his bio he he tries to add in and it says uh, Rabbi shefkin is a sought after speaker and he does like this whole what do you call it, it says Rabbi shefkin has been turned down for many honors and, <laughs> and jobs in the past like what he like lists like it was it's an amazing right because n- no I, I i didn't i didn't get this all right on the first time i tried a podcast before ours and it failed horrifically right it it, it this is what happens. This is what people go through. We need to be open and honest about that so people realize that I have an assignment, I have a test. It's not something to define myself by or be so embarrassed of. or, or It's something to work on. And by working on Lech Lecha, by taking one step at a time, I'm good to go on it. Very, very good. All right, Ari, uh, we're going to hold it on for right there because it is that time of the episode where we discuss... Not only our sponsor, but our very, very good friend, Revna Sanalgans, coming in right now. Now, we're talking about Happily Ever After. I mean, I mean, this, is, this one's an easy sales pitch. I guess we're wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess we're wrong over here. I mean, whether you believe in Happily Ever After or not, I only know of one place that it for sure can equal Happily Ever After. I'm going to let him tell you about it. Revna Sanalgans, welcome back. Thank you for having me. And you're right, happily ever after. A woman that comes trapped from an Arab village to living a happy life where she's married. Matter of fact, there was a woman, Maya, daughter of a Hamas sheikh. I just remember it now. She married the guy who was in the rescue vehicle. That talk about a Cinderella story right there. And he learned to coil now. And his son has big pace. And they went to Chaim Kanievsky. That's a happily ever after story because of guys like you. I'll be the wow. same Jewish woman. It's a true story. Revna Sano, you need a backpedal on that. I'm sorry. What did you just say? <laughs> so stories like this. Maya, she, her father was a Hamas sheikh. And she was rescued by a guy who was on his way to becoming Baal Tshuva. And he met her, obviously. They got married. He has a long beard. He learned to call for many years. Maya's kids are like, look like yeshivish kids right now. And that's really happily ever after. And it could not have happened that without you guys. That is amazing. That is, if that didn't, if that didn't just, if that didn't just raise that one 30 seconds there, if that did not just raise a whole family being saved, I don't know what's got to, that is enormous. That is so, so big. You know, you guys spoke with the last episode about saving a family and you're really helping saving a family and, and making someone's life well. So we need every penny, every little help, and, and, and we want to thank you in advance for your support. Reverend Asano, it's always amazing to talk to you. That is really a true happily ever after story, happily ever after ending. Let's get more happening. Saveaworld.org, guys. Get out there. Saveaworld.org. Yad Lach and Reverend Gans, you are my hero. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I, I want to talk about a little bit about the concept of a test because I think sometimes people um, get a little bit wrong. 
um, you know, you were talking about like being in the airport and um, being underneath the stress. I want to talk, talk about it for a second. So uh, this past week, um, Avraham, my son, came home with uh, the Ramit. questions, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Parsha sheet. And the first question is, what was Avram's first test? And the answer that Rebbe wrote was, Lech Lecha, go for yourself. So I said to Avraham, what is Avram's first test? And he said, the Kivshana Eish, they're getting thrown to the fire. So I said, Abe, <laughs> your Rebbe wrote Lech Lecha. So he said, yeah, but the Kivshana Eish happened first. Now, it's not like he's a big Tamachacham. We, we, I paid money. I paid money. <laughs> Um, by Corona at some point or another uh, to have the kids watch. They did. They made this amazing Jewish kid video thingy of Avraham when he was a kid uh, being thrown into, like into the Kivshan Asia. Really an incredible thing. On what? So, Give him a shout out. You remember? So I, I, I don't know. That's, I, I don't remember the ins and out, but, the, but, the, but just the, the everything, the animation was really beautiful. I, 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 I wish I did know it to go and to give it. And so the kids learned all the ins and outs of Avraham's life. Like all the Midrashim were there and everything. So Avraham was holding really well with the Kivshanesh. And so he said, well, the Kivshanesh happened first because uh, he, he said, I know that his father, Terach, gave him over right. to, so, and Lechacham means he's leaving from his father's land. So shouldn't the Kivshanesh be first? So it happens to be that Rishonim do argue, do have disagreements, that some learned that the Kivshanesh was a part of his test. So Avram, though, asked me, how come according to over here, it's not a part of his test? And I believe that the answer is, and, and I've heard this said before, but I believe the answer is this. A test is only when you have a choice. Meaning, for Avram Avinu to either kill himself from Avodah or to keep on living, there's no choice. I'm not doing Avodah So you're either going to kill me if I don't do Avodah or I do Avodah There's no choice for me to do Avodah so I guess you're killing me. No. That's not a test. A test is not when you don't have a choice. That's just a reality. The reality is, then that's it. They have to be mice and nefesh and have to die. Mm. A test is when you have a choice. A test mm. is when you have two things that are in front of you and you can't really rely on too much detail. And now you just have to choose. You're standing there by the airport. You're about to miss the plane or not miss the plane. You can choose to freak out. You can choose to lose it. Or you can choose to be calm and say, I've worked enough betachen inside myself to be able to now just be calm and say, Hashem is the one who's making me miss the plane. I'm saying like, you know, you can stop for a moment. If you worked enough betachen, and I'm talking about for myself now, if I, if I worked enough betachen to say that if Hashem like literally came to me in a vision and said, Ari, don't get on this plane. You're going to miss this plane and I'm going to stall this plane or whatever, or the plane's going to leave without you. So then that's it. So then that happened. But then we have all these doubts that kick in. No, but maybe I came too late to the airport. Or maybe the TSA is taking too long. Or maybe it's because my bag was overweight. You know, all these other things. Who said it's Hashem? Maybe it's my owner. And there's so many gray areas inside there that you have to make a choice. You have to decide, is Hashem running this? Or is this my own falling? Is my own? And really, tests are things that are constantly demanding choice from ourselves. And it, it really, really is something that is very, very difficult to keep on going through. But ultimately, if we work on it in the times where things are calm, and we build that into ourselves when things are calm. Now, I do want to talk a little bit towards certain aspects, because I think in our audience, we do have certain people who may have this long. There are certain like fail safes uh, that are so difficult to get past. And I may be getting myself now into just like a very difficult corner, but I want to talk about it. I want to hear what your take is, Yasi. There are certain things that people are either programmed with from beforehand that they can't get past 
or that they just have in their own mind that it's so difficult. And the question is what they're supposed to do. Somebody who has a disposition towards anger and they're just going to get angry about certain things all the time. I got a heart-wrenching email recently, um, you know, about somebody who has a child and that their child just has such an angry drive inside themselves. With myself, with misophonia, and by the way, this is where this conversation came from. The person who came to me to talk to me about that led out this whole thing, mm-hmm. he said that um, uh, that somebody in his family suffers from misophonia, that's loud chewing, loud noises, all these different things. He literally said- and it's real. And it's very real. <laughs> Poor Yussi. Uh, Yussi has to go get help because I have misophonia as a child. You know, I would mom just beat yeah. him up and stuff. But there are certain things that- you can't call it a test of choice because it's so difficult in the moment. Right. And, and, and like, what's a person supposed to do at that? And there's still going to be a whole string of events that's going to cause anger. It's going to cause um, some kind of a failing inside a person. And right. what do you do? Right. And I believe my own take is that you're supposed to learn to just overcome or deal. Overcome means that you just say Hashem is sending me a test and 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 I, I just got to get through this and this is the best thing for me to learn control. And if you can't, if you can't control it, then you deal with it. There have been times that I would sit at certain family events with earplugs when people would eat. And, and, and the same way that Yossi's owning up the fact that, yeah, you know, he was losing it by the airport. I would own up the fact that I'm literally sitting there with earplugs at a family meal. And, I, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say this. Um, that it was something, and by the way, if you look around, you're going to see certain people have earplugs by davening. The reason why is because they're very bothered by people who are davening very loudly, you know, or different things like that. Eventually it gets to the point where Hashem is saying, are you willing to show that you're damaged and be okay Uh, with it and be okay with it? Are you willing to show that, you know what, (sighs) if Amazon had delivered me, you'd get your money back. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, that. I'm just damaged. <laughs> I'm just that. damaged. And you know what I'm gonna do with this damage? I'm gonna live my life. I'm not gonna leave the right. table. I'm gonna right. live. And you know what? Everybody's going to roll with it. We're all gonna deal with it. And we're gonna be okay. Right. If we can live to learn that way, so then ultimately. I think a person becomes a lot stronger from it. Right. So I, I, I definitely agree where I, where I would go differently here and not definitely. I, I would say all these things are in, are in levels. I think all these things happen, happen in levels when it comes to an Asayan, it all happens in levels and you have to people. I, I have to, although, you know, I am, I'm honest when I say I have to, um, on this, I think I think it's been a very long time since my Rebbeim have taught me this, so I think it becomes a little bit more natural to me. But I just had the good fortune or the mazel and the siyata uh, uh, to have those Rebbeim that are able to show that to me, and a mother who pretended everything was okay. <laughs> so, but I, I, it, it, things go in levels. The first, the first level, the first level is acknowledging that I have a problem with this. Not trying to make it everyone else's issue. So like you just said, showing up to a meal with earplugs is not saying, uh, is not announcing, okay, everyone, no one hears a lot of chew loud because that's offensive. Like that, that's how the world is in such a 
dark place right now. We're not getting political, but I'm just saying that's I said everyone else needs to take into account my sensitivities. No, I I am going to own up my sensitivities for me. I'm going to or if it's a sensitivity, that's the issue. Right. Or if it's anger, I'm going to I'm going to right. My, my whole family doesn't have to be at the airport four hours early because I'm crazy around flying. It, no, no, they don't. I need I need to, to first own up that this is a craziness in my head. This is a most people, not most a good portion of people that will not. Take that one first step, and that and that and that's a prerequisite to everything. Yeah, see, it it's took me years to, to get. It took yeah, me, yeah, hundred percent. You know that, and, that and me it also. Took me yeah, years. no, no, but me also. I'm saying everyone within their own thing, everyone within their own thing to be able to say this is a silliness, and you know what it is. You, you know how many spouses get into arguments over things like this. Do you have any idea how quickly that argument not only gets squashed, but but a a loving relationship blossoms. When one of them, let's say, let's say, right, it's being late to an airport, right? Let's just keep using that example. Let's say it's being late to an airport, and you go outside, and instead of throwing the bags or like getting all, he turns to his wife. He's like, "I am struggling with this right now so much. This is such a struggle for me. I I know it's crazy, but I'm struggling right now." How do you think she responds to that? She says, "Tells him grows up, grow up." She she tries to hide it. No. That she wants to talk to him. She wants to help. She wants to do whatever she can over there. She wants to. Why? Because you're being open about the struggle. You're, you're not saying it's everyone else. It's me. It's me. I get it that it's going on inside of me. Why can't we do that? So like we said before, because, because people don't want to be vulnerable and they don't want to open up in that way and they don't want a, a show of a, a flaw in them. They don't want to, but, that's, but that's what being human is. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. So that's stage one. Stage one is, is acknowledging that it's me and that this is an issue. Right? Roberkowitz brings this up all the time. What drives you crazy about yourself? What part, what sensitivities do you have? What things do you have? What anxieties do you have? What things do you have that drives you crazy about yourself? Be honest that that's crazy and that's your first step. Always that's your first step. That's number one. Number two. Uh, he Tom said, yeah, yeah, yes, I, I just have to, just yeah. to, to give everybody the reality. He said that there was an Adam Chashev in Israel that his wife used to leave candy wrappers around the house. Right. And it drove him, and Adam Chashev, it drove him crazy. They got divorced. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't deal. And he came to her, bro, she leaves candy wrappers. And her Brookwood said, but, and everything else, she was fine. Everything else, and he does not. But he couldn't admit that there was a craziness inside him of, fine, so she's leaving candy wrappers around the house. And in a Hanami, maybe she shouldn't admit. But to him, it was this all out just right. hit the alarm for right. alarm fire and that he couldn't not just understand the candy wrappers she knows i don't like the candy she wrappers knows so she's I don't going like against me right she's it's not for she's you know, going against me and she's, she's not taking sense of, it builds up this whole crazy story this whole craziness right. in your head and that by the way that's the eight and this is what this is my next point we have to know what the yates Sahara's game is we have to know because he's sly he makes us think that his game is that we get angry. That's not his game. That's not his game. We're going to, like you said before, and I thought that was so perfect. His, the Bechira over here is not in there. His, we're going to get angry. That's going to happen. If you're trying to work on something, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. That's what's going to be. His game is to keep you down. Is to have you tell yourself all the stories about it. That's his game. Making you trip is easy for him. He holds all Taivas of Adam in his fingers. 
making you trip. He's made so much bigger people than you trip. What's his game is trying to weave this web that keeps you down. So what's the risk? So I was talking to one of my tell me them uh, uh, last week, and he said, Rebbe, uh, this, you know, a specific thing, let's call it anger. Anger, I, never once have I ever triumphed over anger. Never once. I've never won over anger. I've never won the sign of anger. And I said to him, it's probably not true. It's probably not true. You just have no idea how to uh, uh, quantify winning. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're born with innate tivus. You're born with innate desires. You're born with innate instinct. If you go for that, that that's, that's not even the Nisayan yet. So he says, someone wants the Nisayan. I'm like, if you didn't get angry, let's say someone upset you, and instead of getting angry at him, you walked around the block once, came back, and then let rip. You got, you blew a stat. You went crazy on him. You think you failed? You think you failed? You didn't fail. The anger was completely out of your control at that point. It's so overtaking you. You've never, it owns you to such a degree. It owns you to such a degree that it never, my example of it always is, if I were to get into a, a, a boxing ring with a professional boxer, right? You put me and, and Muhammad Ali in a ring together. Muhammad Ali now, I don't know if he's alive anymore, but Muhammad Ali no. now and me in a he ring died. together, still dead. <laughs> Yeah, me so. and then Muhammad Ali in a ring together. He's still gonna kill me. He's still gonna kill me. There's no no one thought I was gonna win going into that ring. But if I last five, if I go one round with him, I will brag about that. For, I got knocked out the next round, flat, first hit, one punch. I didn't even get hit before that. I just ran around the ring and he chased me. I would still brag about that for free. I lasted around with Muhammad Ali. Are you crazy? So why? Because no one thought I was going to win. There was no way I was winning him. It was how long was I going to last before he knocked me out? And we need to realize that taking steps, taking steps means actually taking steps. Not taking steps to win. Taking steps to fight. It's the fight that's important. It's not the win. We can't, the, the, the Mishnah says, we have no idea. We have no idea. We have no idea what the schar, we have no clue what the weight of it is. Right. We have no idea. We have no clue. We have no clue. So it's not, we don't know. I don't know what, what the real Nisayan Hashem has given me over here. It might be 10 minutes, and I gave up 10 minutes too early. That's the key. I might have given up just 10 minutes too early because 10 minutes was within my power. And by the way, when you hold back from something for 10 minutes, don't, don't snort at that. When you it's hold back minute. from something for 10 minutes, that minute 11 is different. When, when, the, when, when you do actually fall to that time, when you do actually fall to that thing, it's very different. The next time around, you are going into the next uh, Nisayan different. Ten minutes is, 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 is a, you actually big. start developing that power to say no altogether. You do. You do actually start developing that power. He, the scariest thing in the world for the Yitzhahara is that ten minutes. And the last thing I'm going to say about it is that the, the last level is, is also a, 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 just a mindset, is that we're not supposed to be perfect. But what does that mean? Not only are we not supposed to be perfect, we're worthless if we're not fighting. We don't want the happily ever after uh, because we're worthless. If this we're is what I wanted fighting. to say at the end, right? So we're we're a blank canvas, right? If I buy a blank canvas and I go back to the store and I say, "I see you sell art over here," 
I would like to introduce you the most perfect piece you've ever seen. And I turn around the same blank canvas I bought. They're like, I don't understand. There's nothing on it. I'm like, well, it's certain, it's, it's very clean. And they say, it's certainly uncontaminated by paint. paint. <laughs> so, so I'm like, but it's so clean. It's perfect. It's perfect. They're like, that's not what art is, though. That's not what beauty is. Beauty isn't perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be that you did something on there. You splattered it with paint. You did something on there that no one else has ever done before you. You have done something on there that is completely original and beautiful. That's the idea of a paint. If our concept was to be perfect, then don't do anything. Just lay in bed all day. But but that's not what we consider perfection. That's not what real shlamus is. Real shlamus is getting dirty. It's getting dirty, but making a tapestry out of it. That fight is the tapestry. That fight, you paint in your own blood from that. That fight is the real deal. Beautiful. All right, yes, we, we, we only have about like a minute left, so just to end off, happily ever after is not something that is a Jewish concept. Like what we're trying to explain, and Yossi really said it so beautifully now, nobody ever wanted the ever after because if it was a happily ever after, there would be no more struggle. If there's no more struggle, then there's no point. The purpose of life itself is to be able to take on the responsibilities, take on these challenges, and to be able, like Yossi just said, to paint their own tapestry, to be able to go and to build our own life to go and to show that we're made of bigger stuff. And even if we fail at the end, but ultimately nobody's ever ran the 26 miles without really trying to push themselves that first mile. Meaning that if the person never ran that first mile and then gave up and just like breathe and breathe, but okay, so you fell over, but you gave a mile, meaning that is the same thing. If you gave into your anger after 10 minutes, but you got a mile, you got 10 minutes, that's a mile. And then next right. time you can hit two miles, you can hit 20 minutes, et cetera, et cetera, to keep on building yourself. And so to answer the question, the reason why there is no have, uh, happily ever after is because it's just happily inside what it is itself. Because of that, you should be happy in purpose. You should be happy in building yourself. You should be happy that the struggle itself is what makes us bigger and makes us greater. Yidin. And with that, hopefully we will reach our tafkid in this world. Right. Right. Uh, uh, You know, when when a person gets old, I think just to end, when a person gets old, I think what old people realize why they don't care, why they just, you know, the older a person is, the less they care about anyone, like what they think or what they, I think it's just because they look around, they're like, you're not better than me. You're not. I'm saying you, you didn't not struggle. You you didn't, you didn't not have a tie, but you didn't not have a, we're the same. We're all the same. Don't think that just because I get to be on camera. I'm better than you. That's not how that works at all. Yep. All right. Yep. All right, yes. Chazaka Baruch. Everybody, thank you so, so much for listening. This has been another podcast with Baruch Hashem, the Two Cents Podcast, powered by the Meaningful Minute. The meaningful I am minute. Ari. I'm Ari Ben-Shushan. I'm Yossi Ben-Shushan. Take and care, guys. Take care, guys. Bye.